0: Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Morning Devotion. I hope, I trust, I pray. You had a wonderful Thanksgiving yesterday. You may still be giving thanks. That's okay. You can give thanks every day, every day and I hope you had a wonderful day, and I hope, oh, may the Lord richly bless you and help you. This is called Black Friday in the United States, the first formal shopping day of Christmas when people absolutely go insane, as if we needed another reason to go insane in the year of 2020, but I do hope hope that you're making it through. Opal Peggy, you are the first up today. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Linda, Brenda, Petra, Trenton. Thank you, Cindy, Brenda. God bless you. Thank you for making this special each and every morning. We have so much to be thankful for in this season, in this hour. And I pray that you're finding those reasons. You're selecting them and lifting them up to God. In praise and in prayer. You know the drill by now. You are the ones that make this devotion what it is. It's, it's not me. I'm just the talking head here. I'm just the one that just gets in here and talks, but it's the dialogue that you have one with another of just checking in, saying hello, good morning, encouraging one another, praying for one another's needs. It goes on every day. During, mon- uh, during these devotions, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Thank you. Loop more people into this. We're encouraging one another because we're on the same team. And that is the subject today, this Friday, November 27, in the year of our Lord 2020. That is the subject, Team Jesus. Team Jesus never Loses. Can I get a witness to that? Share the page, like the page, and God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this on this wonderful, wonderful day. Team Jesus always wins. Indeed, the team can't lose. I know we're witnessing corruption, spiritual wickedness in high places, the slow cultural rot and decay. We see an attack on the godly, an attack on our churches, attack on freedom of worship, an assault on unborn life. And we know, we know that judgment is around the corner, but we are believing here in morning devotion and with many others for one final awakening to sweep the globe. And that awakening will come when the church stirs herself. There's an infamous prisoner here in the U.S. locked up. She's on suicide watch. I read this week that the guards allegedly waken her every 15 minutes, part of their protocol. I feel like this nation is on some sort of suicide watch, but we ourselves as a church must be fully awakened to awaken a nation and to keep ourselves awake, alert, and spiritually alive. To do that, we cluster, we unite, we form the remnant strangers in a strange land. And like those Israelites of old who dwelt in Goshen, there may be darkness in Egypt, but the darkness did not invade Goshen. God made a distinction there that there was light in Goshen. It may be night in America and in this world, but there is light in the church. Can I get a witness to that? And as the contrast grows ever greater, we're going to sense more and more people drawing Toward the light. At the close of this today, I want to share with you a dream that I had. I want to share with you a dream that I think has made one of the most profound differences in this 21st century in my mind, in my heart, and I hope that you enjoyed it as well. So Tricia, Patrick, Tony, Elaine, thank yeah. you for being a part of this. What is the appropriate response to the world, to an ever-growing, sickening, darkening world in which we live? Some would say first that we redeem the culture, but we know the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world and the whole world lies in the sway of darkness and wickedness. It's going to be an ongoing struggle until the enemy of our souls is tossed in a bottomless pit and ultimately the lake of fire. We can impact the culture. As souls are redeemed, they experience redemption and lift and leave old ways behind, and their freedom impacts the world around them. But this world's culture will never fully be redeemed until we see a new heaven and a new earth. Second, some would say our response to this world is we should triumph over the culture, that we should attempt to take each and every one of the seven hills of influence in this world. I do believe in the seven hills, a concept, seven hills, seven mountains of influence. It's a Bill Bright Christ for the Nation understanding that seven peaks influence this world, seven peaks of influence. Media, government, education, economy or business, the family, faith or religion, and finally, arts and entertainment. Those are the seven peaks of the world. And I believe that there are saints in Caesar's household that there are Josephs who will arise and influence mountains. And we applaud them and we encourage them, and we support them. And while we can operate in any number of these realms and we do influence them, we recognize that one day those hills are going to have to be toppled by the power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to truly conquer them. Ultimately, our hope is not in the carnal, it's not in the political action committees, the lobbying, the arm-twisting, and so forth. While any of those may pursue very noble goals, we recognize them to be simply part of the world system, and can the world be saved by worldly means? Others say, here's another role that the church should have. Others say we should just escape the culture. Aesthetics and monasteries, hermits in their caves, monks and nuns cloistered away. All of these have tried for centuries, but culture has a way of finding people. It's the air we breathe. It's the spirit of the age in which we live. You can't build a, a wall high enough, a moat deep enough. You, you can't have a drawbridge long enough to be isolated from this world. Besides, God didn't call us to be isolated, but separated from this life. And there's a difference. In isolation, qualities emerge that are just not conducive to the cause of Christ. Besides, exercising our civil liberties where we can, uh, it's good, and we should do that. Elections have consequences, and just this week, we saw a Supreme Court stand for freedom of worship. Thank God for that. Three of the five justices who took a stand had been appointed in just the past few years, one in the past few weeks, so no escapism is not a good strategy. Finally, some would say, We must withstand the culture to influence it, that we act in the dual role of salt and light, salt to stop decay, light to promote healing. And this view is more accurate biblically. And we can see that the church thrives in this dual role historically. We withstand by building strong faith and communities of faith and strengthening one another, developing in grace and truth, word and the spirit, fashioning outposts for the kingdom called the remnant. Why do I go through this? Because I think we've not really given this very much thought. We spend our lives living our lives, loving God, raising families, forming friendships, fighting adversity, standing up for the good. And these are all great things, and they're part of who we are, and they're part of what we do. But these fit into a greater picture. Loving God, it's under attack. Raising families, it's under attack. Gathering with close friends— It's under attack. And of course, adversity increases all around us. But when we commit to being salt and light and saying we are in this world, we're not of this world. We are fighting a world system, but we love the souls of this world. We're walking a tightrope, one that in the flesh is impossible to walk but it's one that great revival movements down through the ages have walked before us. And by doing that, being salt and light, we become part of Team Jesus. And Team Jesus never loses. Team Jesus always wins. So Janet and Cindy and Melissa and Bill and Martha, be not discouraged. Team Jesus doesn't lose. Jesus won, so shall we. And that's my message today. When many of Americans are angry, many Americans feel cheated, defrauded, duped. Many Americans, millions of Americans, fearful, anxious, disturbed, depressed, angry. We need to remind ourselves we are members of Team Jesus. He won, so shall we. Jesus is the original comeback king? In spite of insurmountable odds, he triumphed, and you're going to triumph as well. His win began with what seemed to be a great loss, but he triumphed over it, made a show of them openly, spoiled principalities. It's not a book for the faint of heart, but there's an epic work. Some. 10,000 lines in all, and each of the 10,000 lines has 10 syllables. It's Milton's epic work called Paradise Lost. Uh, Let me just give you a summary. Basically, he spends a lot of time talking about Satan's fall, and then Satan attempting Adam and Eve to fall. And for success in that realm, he won the fame and the cheer of the underworld. Hell hell always parties too soon. Oh my. Hell always parties too soon. You be, you just write that down. The wicked always parties too soon because lies will spread halfway around the world before truth puts its boots on. But when truth starts marching, there is a power That is unleashed. There is a power of righteousness and strength and boldness. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So, all of hell in the paradise lost, all of hell parties that Satan brought down Adam and Eve. But don't you ever forget, locked away in the mind of God was a plan. The plan a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before Adam created, God had a plan. Before Eve fell, God had a plan. When God clothed Adam and Eve with the garments made from animal skins, it foreshadowed that plan that there would be a covering, a covering. That was foreshadowed in the mercy seat, sprinkled with the blood of the lamb. There would be a covering. But the New Testament, the new covenant finally came and John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We, We are tempted to race ahead to the death, burial and resurrection. But curiously, when John Milton wrote his corollary to paradise lost that he called paradise regain, it didn't focus on Calvary. It didn't focus on when Jesus cried, it is finished. It did not focus on Resurrection Sunday when up from the grave he rose. No, John Milton took us. He takes us to the Jordan River when Jesus Christ is being baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And there's a voice from heaven that speaks. This is my beloved son. Son." And according to Milton, that attracted Satan's attention. And Lucifer followed Jesus into the wilderness. He was led there by the Spirit. And after 40 days, he tempted him. Eve had been tempted with lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, and they worked against Eve. And so he tried to do the same with Jesus. Stones into bread, lust of the flesh, cast down from the pinnacle of the temple, lust of the eye, kingdoms of the world, the pride of this life. But where Eve fell, Jesus did not fall. Now there's differing opinions, but some say that Satan didn't really know who he was dealing with. Maybe he had forgotten. Maybe he didn't appreciate the prophecy that God put over Eve, that one day the seed of woman, Eve's offspring, would crush the head of the serpent. And so John Milton in Paradise Regained says, let's go to that wilderness of temptation. There you see the crushing Jesus resisted the tempter. Jesus triumphed. Jesus won. And that was the beginning of Satan's end. That's why Milton chose this as the setting for Paradise Regain, where Eve fell to temptation and paradise was lost. Her prophesied offspring triumphed over temptation, and paradise was regained. Oh my, so that Jesus could later say, Satan has nothing in me. Why am I saying that? Because Jesus won. And that means team Jesus is going to win as well. God is gonna help us to withstand. He's gonna see us through pandemic and political division and fraud and anger and sickness and death. We are more than conquerors through him who loves. Us, We are not defeated. We go into difficult situations. We will triumph. As Catherine Booth once wrote, the waters are rising, but so am I. I am not going under, but over. So am I. He was victorious. So am I. Because if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, we're going to rise at that last day. But that same spirit that was within the winning Christ is also in you. Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you. As he won, so shall you. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. So don't be discouraged don't feel defeated, we win. We win. Oh, my, my. Can I get a witness to that? We win, folks. We win. I'm not just saying in the end of it all, we win. But each and every day, we triumph. Each and every day, we rise above difficulties. Each and every day, we look at circumstances and say, I've got the authority and the power to choose how I respond to the adversity of this day. We win. Team. Jesus never loses. Do you remember the story of the young girl whose father was a chef and she complained to her dad one day, said, man, things are getting difficult. As soon as I solve one problem, another appears. I'm struggling, dad. So he leads her into the kitchen and fills three pans with water, puts each on a burner, turns the flame to high. In a few minutes, they come to boil. And she was just pestering, what's going on? What's going on? He said, wait, 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 just a moment. And one pot, he put some carrots. Second pot, he put some eggs. Third pot, he put some ground coffee beans. And after a few moments, he turned off the burners. He put the carrots in one bowl, the eggs in a second bowl poured the coffee into the third bowl, allowed them to cool. She's going absolutely insane. And finally, after a few minutes passes, he says, okay, honey, what do you see? She said, I see carrots, eggs, and coffee. He gave her a fork and told her to touch the carrots. She did. And, and he said, what do you notice? He said, well, they're, they're soft. He asked her to break an egg. He said, what do you notice? She said, well, it's hard-boiled. Then he asked her to sift the coffee. She did. He said, what do you think? She says, it tastes good. She asked, but dad, what does all of this mean? I told you I'm struggling. I got a lot of problems. He said, I want you to notice something. Everything placed in the pot faced the same adversity, the boiling water. But each reacted differently. The carrot went in hard, strong, unrelenting. But after subjected to adversity, it became soft and weak. The the egg went in fragile, but it became hardened. And he said, the ground coffee beans, though, were unique. By being put in the boiling water, they changed the water itself. They changed their surroundings. He looked at his daughter and asked, when struggle comes, which are you? Do you lose strength? Do you get hard and angry? or do you influence your world? Don't fall apart. Don't get hard. Influence your world. Be salt, be light. To those who are listening who are Americans, can I just tell you something? We're going to get through the season, and the church has a vital role to play. Do not get discouraged. Do not get hardened, jaded, and angry, and furious, but draw closer to God and Draw closer to people of faith because the remnant of godly people, we have a role to play. You've got to be a part. Oh, hear me carefully. Eternity is more important than country. Loving God more important than nationalism. The kingdom of heaven is invading this world world. It is invading. It is time to rise and shine. It is time to be the church of the living God. We're not going to put a Band-Aid on cancer. We're not going to go out and just speak peaceful words and everybody go, oh, and sigh and say, can't we all just get along? No, we are far beyond that if we were ever indeed at that stage. We need an invasion of glory into this world world. I told you about a dream that I had. I want to share it with you right now. It was years ago I had a a dream. It, It affected me. Oh, it affected me. In my dream, I, I was in a very dark place. I could tell that with a lot of people around me, I couldn't see their faces. They were huddled. They were shrouded. They were in darkness. But I could sense their fear, their anger, their desperation, their disappointment. I, I could tell we were in some valley of some sort. And I felt such despair and hopelessness. But in the midst of it, I sensed the need to look up and I saw something just magnetic and majestic, a city upon a hill. I saw lights at the top of the hill, just cascading down the sides of the hill. And in my dream, I remember thinking, that's the church. That's the church. That bright accumulation of light and fire cascading down the hillside. I felt a drawing and all around me, it seemed that others felt what I was feeling and saw what I saw. And they began to move into light. And those that were indistinguishable became visible in the light. As people moved toward the light and the heights, that's where my dream ended. But through the years, in the last few years, I've thought about that again and again. As the church, there should be so something so attractive and winsome about us. We don't walk around with a scowl. We're not in the molly We're not angry, we're irresistible, we're friendly, we're open, we're warm, we're caring. It's a church at its best. And we're drawing people up the hill. Now, I want to warn you, those of you that have been raised in this, some people will barely, barely move beyond sea level. They may just get to the very base of the hill. Some will just move a few feet above sea level. They'll barely go up the side of the mountain. Belief systems, value systems, not changing hardly at all. Don't chase them away. Just keep the fire burning. And someday something may happen in their lives like a pandemic that leaves them wanting more. And they go higher and higher. Or their children will go higher or their friends will go higher. I can't determine how high people will go on this mountain, but I want to make certain that the light still shines, that we who are separate from the world by sea level are illuminating and welcoming to those that are seeking change. It was at the close of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus Christ contrasted two. He said, there are two, one is building a house, but building it on the sand. Others building a house on the rock. The idea is one was building the house at the sand, sea level, but the others went into the hills to build houses on the rock. This is the day for me and you as believers to make sure we're building on the rock. And as we build on the rock, those down at sea level are attracted to the light. Uh, I, I want to go into the end of this year, one that's going to go down in the record books, one filled with sickness, death, anger, division, and pain. I want to say, if you ally yourself to this world, you're going to be disappointed ultimately, you will lose. If you identify primarily as a person in this political party or there, you're going to lose. But if you join yourself to Jesus Christ and to his team, you're going to succeed because King Jesus, and team Jesus, we will never lose. We're praying for God to come into our midst at the close of this week, that God will be with you and near you and in your family and with your church family. I'm believing. I'm believing that there is something so magnetic and so winsome developing right now that people who are distraught and disturbed are looking for one smiling face, one open hand, one joyful spirit, somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. And I believe that's you. I believe that's the remnant I believe that's our morning devotion group. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this this week. What a week. Thank you for being a part of it. I look forward to seeing you again Monday. Go have a wonderful weekend. Be with your family. Be with your church family. Let's lift up King Jesus because team Jesus is never going to lose. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.